I'm Taylor. I'm Kat. And welcome to Square Mile of Murder. Um, and hey, y'all, welcome. We have a few announcements to make before we get started. If you are following us on social media, you will know that we now have a merch shop. Ooh, Yay! Ooh, 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 ooh. T-shirts. Uh, yeah. yeah. We're very excited about this. Uh, yeah. uh, head over to teespring.com forward slash stores slash square dash mile dash of dash murder. <laughs> the link will be in the show notes and it is all over our social media. So no need to memorize that. Yeah. And it's also on no. the website and in our Instagram bio link and it's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. We have three awesome designs, uh, which Taylor did. I can't take any credit for it. <laughs> Uh, we have the classic cone logo, a raccoon hunter, which is based on our favorite episode and our most popular episode. Yes. You guys seem to like it as well, uh, which is episode four, way back in the beginning. Uh, Skidmore, the town that got away with murder. And we have a design which is inspired by Glasgow's Square Mile Murders, which is based on episodes 10, 20, 30 and 40. Yes. Yeah, um, I'm really proud of that one. Like, I love them all. Obviously, I, I, I love, I love them because when you first showed me their like mock up yeah. way weeks ago for the square mile ones, I was like, I'm interested to see how this turns out. Yeah, no, the mock up was really was, rough. The mock up using... was shit. <laughs> yeah, and it was using like different elements and stuff that obviously didn't make it into the final yes. design, and I was like, okay. I'm just going to sit and see because design is not my forte. I honestly, so I know I made that mock-up. I didn't look at it again. I just, <laughs> I just, I just started from scratch. It's like, I can figure this out. It'll be fine. Um, but yeah, I, what does it say about us that our most popular episode is all the way back in episode four and we're on episode 42? Did we peak early? I don't know, but. I, I'm kind of worried because I always tell people start with that one because the first three, we're, we're feeling it, we're, 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 you know, working it out still. Yeah. And I'm worried that people listen to that one. Everyone goes to that one and then goes, nah, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why it's the most popular. Maybe. I don't know. I love that episode. I think it's fun. Yeah, I do. We we hit the moral dilemmas and vigilantism, everything real early in that one. The town where everybody got shot and nobody died from it, like, except for that except, one guy. <laughs> yeah, and the whole town got away with murder. Yeah. It, yeah. If you're tuning in for the first time, go back and listen. It's fun. And then listen to everything in between. Yes. Yeah. But maybe just skip, like, the first three. It's fine. Uh <laughs> But yeah, so we have those designs, our our lovely uh, podcast logo, and uh, and the the cutest hunter raccoon that you've ever seen, and uh, a sort of uh, 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 now correct me if I'm wrong because I'm the one who created it, but like I feel that the square mile design has a sort of like Victorian air to it, like oh yeah, definitely. That's what I was going for anyway. Yeah. So, um, and it's just, it's like very different from all of our other stuff. It's less like, like blocky graphics and more like line, you know. Yeah, it's completely different style. So, yeah, so. hopefully you will find something you like. Exactly. 
Um, so all three designs are available on a range of products. Uh, we've got hoodies, t-shirts, tote bags, mugs, face masks, if you so choose, um, and like stickers and a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, they're also available in lots of different colors. We tried to make sure that like the designs were easily legible and visible on each color that they they're available on but just double check to like that you're happy with how it looks like maybe you don't want a giant square mile cone on a bright green shirt maybe you do you know it's up to yeah. you it would brighten up winter it would it's kind of christmasy if you're looking for yeah. a, a ugly christmas sweater type situation we could maybe help you with that <laughs> um <laughs> I love that you call the logo ugly when you designed it. <laughs> I I love it, but also like you know, if you stuck a like a a mylar bow on the top of it and maybe sewed on some little like baubles, it could look like a Christmas tree. So it could. So you know, never know. Um, yes, and the uh, clothing goes up to sizes like triple XL. So wide range of sizes, wide range of styles. We've got uh, like men's shirts, women's shirts, tank tops, uh, hoodies and crew neck sweatshirts and tote bags. Those pretty much are all the same size. Um, uh, and you can use the code LAUNCH, all caps, L-A-U-N-C-H, not lunch, LAUNCH. Uh, for 20% off of everything in the merch store until Christmas Day. So if you so desire, you get a little discount. Um, and uh, we will definitely do more discounts in the future. And once this discount run is over, um, all of our Patreon members, all of our patrons will get access to an exclusive Patreon uh, discount code. So something to keep in mind for the future um teespring uh will fulfill all the orders and they're currently as of today which is november 30th guaranteeing delivery in time for christmas with their standard shipping speed but uh you can check the store for up-to-date shipping times and i think it should tell you on the listing page like oh this will arrive in time for christmas or something um and yeah if if and when you decide to get merch, uh, please tag us in some photos on social media and, and let us know what you think. Yeah, we're, we're really excited about this. We're, so, we're waiting for all our yes. merch. We have bought some of our own merch. I'm very excited for it to get delivered. I mean, is it is not part of the reason that we created this so that we can wear our own merch? I think it is. <laughs> that was part of my reasoning anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have enough big hoodies and t-shirts for lounging around the house. I don't have enough shirts that say murder on them that make me nervous to true. wear them outside. So <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry about yeah. it. We also had the nicest review left for us the other day. And yes, yeah. we wanted to share it with you all. So it says, love these two girls, great cases with interesting takes and just the right amount of humor. And that was left by X love MX. So I'm assuming that's a kiss. 
Uh, so thank you, lovely listener. We think we know who you are. Possibly, we yes. We think we've worked it out. Yes. Um, but, but yeah, thank you very much. It, we do appreciate it and yeah. reviews do help us reach more listeners. Yeah, no, it's it's super awesome. And like we say every week, like, please give us a, a rating and a review. And it doesn't take that long. And it like literally brightens our week and, yeah. you know, sort of boosts the confidence that maybe we're doing something decently okay. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and it doesn't cost you anything. No. Yeah. And helps, like, we reach more listeners, that helps us keep going, and that means we can keep making free content. Yes. Yeah. And with that, on with the show. Yay. So for today's case, we are going to Eastern Europe and back to the 19th century with the story of Anna Drakshin, uh, more commonly known as Baba Anoika, who was one of the most prolific poisoners of the late 19th and early 20th century Europe. Now, she's not particularly well-known compared to some other prolific poisoners, um, and there aren't a lot of sources in English, turns out, but there's plenty of sources in Serbian and Romanian, but uh, some of them we could not translate. Yeah, because so. it's so old, a lot of them are just scanned in uh, newspapers. And that's hard to, um, yeah. Yeah, to work around. And some of them are in Cyrillic as well, so... <laughs> Fuck, no, it's just, there was just not happening. Just no chance for us. Yeah. Um, now, Being two, two dyslexic people who struggle with English. <laughs> yes, right. C quite clearly, as if you've listened to any of our episodes before, you know we struggle with English. And that's after I'm done editing out all our flubs. <laughs> and there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so bearing that in mind so most sources say that anna was born in 1838 in Wallachia, romania uh but when she was a young child her family moved to vladmirovac a small village in yugoslavia now for all you fetuses out there which actually does include us this time yes. who don't know or don't remember what yugoslavia was here's a very very brief rundown Yugoslavia was a country in the Balkan region of southeastern Europe. It went by numerous variations of the name uh, Yugoslavia. At times it was a kingdom with a monarchy, at others it was a republic, it was a socialist republic, it was, had various sort of prefixes to the name. In the 20th century it became a socialist republic and it was generally considered to be part of the sort of former Eastern Bloc during the Cold War, but it wasn't part of the Soviet Union on and it was only briefly aligned with the Soviets at the beginning of the Cold War. Um, it was made up of sort of a number of smaller republics. And in 1991, they began to secede from Yugoslavia, which led to the Yugoslav Wars. And the Yugoslav Wars were classed, or are classed, as a series of separate but linked conflicts ethnic conflicts resulting in ethnic cleansing campaigns, independence wars, and insurgencies, which lasted from 1991 to 2001. So the state of Yugoslavia fell in 1992, 
but conflict continued for nine more years in what is referred to as the bloodiest period of European history since the Second World War. It is estimated that 140,000 people were killed during the conflicts, 2.4 million became refugees, and a further 2.2 million were internally displaced. Even today, 19 years after the wars ended, thousands of people still live in refugee camps throughout the former Yugoslavia, birth rates are still in decline as well, and in 2018 it was estimated that up to 1 million black market firearms from the war are still unaccounted for. Oof. The breakup of Yugoslavia led to the creation of independent republics, so they are Slovenia, Croatia, North Macedonia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, and the Federal Republic of Yugoslavia, which in 2006 became the separate countries of Serbia and Montenegro. Kosovo claimed independence from Serbia in 2008, but this is not recognised by Serbia or by the United Nations. That is your very quick whistle-stop tour of Yugoslavia. Ooh, exciting. <laughs> yeah, um, doesn't actually have a lot of relevance to the case, but that's kind of its placement yeah. in modern European history. And I fell down numerous rabbit holes, as I do every time I look at anything to do with sort of the Balkan Peninsula, yeah. because it's horrendous and fascinating at the same time Yeah. Um, to look at, at these, these conflicts. Um, and there's so many of them to look at. Not a lot is really known about Anna Draction's youth, uh, as records are pretty sketchy, incomplete, or just missing altogether, um, as you might expect from that time period. Wait for the bus to leave. Is uh, that what it was? Yeah. I thought it was something outside on my end. No, uh, to our dear listeners, if, if you ever hear a sort of on my end of the audio it's because i live right in front of a bus stop and it's quite a popular one apparently so <laughs> i do apologize um uh, what we do know is that when she was young she lived in yugoslavia which to add a touch more historical context to that parts of yugoslavia were under the control of the austro-hungarian empire and the more we read about it, the more confused we got. So we will just leave it at when she was young, she lived in Yugoslavia. The family moved from Romania to Vladimirovac in 1848 when Anna was about 10 years old. We can deduce that she was from a sort of wealthy, well-to-do family because she attended a private school in uh, Panchevo for the children of rich families. So appropriately. Um, after finishing school, uh, Anna returned to the family home in Vladmirovac. Um, now Vladmirovac and, uh, Panchevo are both in what is now the Republic of Serbia. In the 1850s, as we said, uh, Yugoslavia was part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire and it was a frontier region. So, I mean, any part, every empire has like controlling forces there, but there's obviously a lot more in the border regions mm -hmm. um so it's big uh big military presence from vienna and at the age of 20 
what you think would have been about 1858 because Anna lied about her age. <laughs> she actually made herself older at one point, saying she was born a couple of years older than she was. So That's not the right way to do that. No. Going in the wrong direction. She began a passionate love affair with an Austrian military officer, but that relationship was short-lived and she, uh, well, he gave her syphilis and then he dumped her. Yeah, it's not the really like the fairy tale ending to the passionate love affair that you really want no, with your Austrian military man. It's not, it's not the the Disney princess fantasy in a castle in Central Europe with forests and cute wildlife all around. You mean Snow White didn't have syphilis? We never know. I mean, <laughs> all those dwarves. Well, that's not what I was thinking. I think maybe she just hallucinated the seven dwarfs. You know, oh, no. So she had advanced syphilis. Maybe. <laughs> oh, Once no. there's no way after all. So this breakup left Anna absolutely broken hearted and she became a misanthrope. Did she get she... treated for the syphilis? I don't know. I hope so. Um, I think so. And because she, let's say, became a misanthrope and she sought seclusion, hid away from everyone, but she became really interested in chemistry and herbalism and, like, folk medicine. So hopefully she treated herself. Let's hope, because, like... And mm. she was from a rich family, so any treatments that there were, hopefully she would have been able to get access to. Yeah. So she also learned five languages, which is noted in pretty much every source. Which to us native English speakers is really impressive, but in Europe it's really common to speak multiple languages. I think probably everywhere else in the world <laughs> it's common to speak multiple languages and we are just shit and need to do better. But when you look at how Yugoslavia is now six six different countries, seven countries, they all have their own languages. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like In that so, region, there was probably a lot of crossover as well between different languages. Yeah, at some point in her late 20s or early 30s, again, we're not sure because records aren't clear, um, her father arranged the marriage of Anna to a much older man. We don't even know his first name. <laughs> his surname was either Pistov or Pistonia. So, similar, but could be anything. Um, yeah. So, uh, the couple had 11 children. But only one of those children survived into adulthood. Uh, now, we don't know the circumstances in which the children died. Um, they could have been early victims of Anna's, or it could have just been, you know, a sign of the times because infant mortality was really high during the 19th century, and also you have all the fun diseases, communicable diseases. So um, we don't know. Uh, the one who did survive went on to become a prosperous merchant sailor. Good for him. Yeah, well done. <clears throat> After about 20 years of marriage, Anna's husband died. And again, we don't really know the context of his death. Um, he's described as much older than Anna, so it could have just been old age. Um, Anna was in her early 50s when he died. Uh, so natural causes of someone much older than 
fifties, especially in that period of time, uh, could very well be the case, or it could be something more sinister. Who knows? Not us. No. Unfortunately. If you can read Serbian or Romanian and you can access those sources that we can't, then <laughs> let us know. Um, following her husband's death, Anna converted a part of their house into a laboratory and she continued to study chemistry. And this was when she really developed a serious interest in herbalism. So this would have been around the late 1880s into the early 1890s when her husband died. Anna became popular with local women who sought herbal remedies to a range of ailments, and she was able to earn quite a comfortable living uh, doing this. I mean, that in itself is, like, kind of great. Like, oh, yeah. boss bitch, you know. Her husband's died. She's making her own money. She's, she's moving w- on with her life. She's, she's working from home. Like... She's ahead of the times. <laughs> yeah, right. What more could you want? Mm. But there's always a but. <laughs> as well as the herbal remedies for, you know, the farmers' wives and other local women, Anna was very popular with the local men too. Because there was compulsory military service at the time. So men would go to Anna and ask for something that would make them just ill enough so that they wouldn't have to do their compulsory service. And it turned out that she wasn't just snucking up herbal remedies for the common common cold and national service she was also cooking up cures for marital problems and not the marriage counseling kind of cures more of a final terminal kind of cure Mm, yes we've reached our old favorite poison poison Mm. i just i don't know why but these episodes seem to be just the most fun um so what does that say about us let's not go there (laughs) and what does it say about you guys you guys are listening to it you know yeah you're still here what are you doing here jesus (laughs) um so poison keep in mind this is what we're talking about here anna sold a special quote love potion Uh, She sold this to local women who were going through marital problems. Upon hearing from a woman that she was going through such marital problems, she would ask them, quote, how heavy is the problem? Which could sound like, how heavy is your emotional burden? Yeah, it it could. And that's probably why it's it's worded like that, because it could sound, you know, like a very innocent, caring, almost counseling. Yes. See? Sort of now, conversation. That is what it could sound like. However, what Anna meant was, how much does your husband weigh? <laughs> and so, once provided with that answer, she would then calculate just how much poison was needed, and she would mix up a love potion of the appropriate strength for the weight of the problem. Uh, now, these potions were also called magic water sure and contained a cocktail of arsenic and plant toxins which were difficult to trace in an autopsy now the women would give their husbands the love potion or the magic water and in a large majority of cases the man would die 
exactly eight days later. I find it really quite interesting that like, she's clearly helping women to murder her husbands. So we'll, we'll put that aside, aside. for a second yeah. and come back to it. She does have this incredible understanding of, of poisons and toxins at a time when they were still being used in common household items. And, you know, yeah. similar poisons like strychnine were still being prescribed by doctors because they thought it acted the same as caffeine. Oh, yeah. They thought strychnine was a stimulant. <laughs> Oops. Um, <laughs> so I think it's really fascinating that she, she knew all this. She could calculate how long it would take to die. She knew, you know, understood, like, well, could pretty much in her head work out how much poison was needed for, you know, different people with different weights. weights. Yeah. And she's also in on the, like, the plants and everything, and she knows what's difficult to trace. Yeah. Because, I mean, um, there are there are some poisons that do leave, like, very obvious physical traces on the body like in fingernails or like skin discoloration or in the eyes or whatever um so but like that's interesting that it's toxins that were difficult to trace in an autopsy specifically so she had to do research yeah. into that as well yeah she had to you know she's clearly learned like learned a lot in a very like we know she, she obviously had a good education because her family were rich and she's then been able to study chemistry and herbalism and things like that. But I, I just think it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, I do too. Also, one thing that we haven't actually said in the script. So it's never outrightly said, but it's kind of hinted at in everything we've read or seen or listened to about this case. These potions were being sold to women who were in abusive relationships yeah that is what it's always kind of hinted at yeah it's not like it's not like women like oh well he won't clean up after himself or you know he's always drunk yeah it's it seems to be heavily hinted at that that it's this was their way women. out of like yeah traumatic situations yeah there wasn't a re women's refuge there wasn't women's aid there was an old lady who could get rid of your problem yeah. for you yeah so Anna began to get a reputation as a sort of black widow witch kind of figure, uh, which makes sense considering all the death uh, around her and her, her uh, patients or clients, maybe patrons, customers, one of those people. Her, yeah. The, the general population. Entire town. <laughs> <laughs> um. She reportedly wore all black uh, clothes, um, a black headscarf, and would sit by the window of her house, just sort of watching the world go by. Uh, which could I I could understand might seem a bit creepy, sinister. Although yeah. it's pretty much what I do. I wear a blue. Yeah, dressed in blue. Today. I wear a blue hat <laughs> and watch the world go by. <laughs> I love those like old lady headscarves. <laughs> I think they're like really cute, and I wish people would wear them again. Well, can bring them back. Somehow, I don't think I'm going to start a like fashion fashion revolution well, in not this, rural North Yorkshire. Not this year, because no one's going to see it because <laughs> you're going to be inside. But next year, you have the opportunity. 
Maybe. So, yes. So she has been nicknamed the Witch of Vladimirovich and uh, the Banat Witch. And uh, to sort of uh, why that was one of her chosen names, uh, Banat is the name of the province or region where the village of uh, Vladimirovich is. So kind of a similar idea. Along with her herbal remedies, she also reportedly sold charms and talismans, uh, which, you know, one could imagine would only add to the sort of witchy vibe she had going on. Uh, I kind of want to have this vibe going on when I'm in my 50s and 60s. All you need to do is get a chemistry book and go sit by your window. And make and some some potions and beakers. Potions, beakers. Maybe grab some twigs from the backyard and start tying little um, talisman type figures together. Or, you know, I think yeah. I think this is your twenty twenty one business idea right here. <laughs> Just go for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a wooden pentacle pentacle in my window see you're like, already halfway there it's like a halloween wreath so it's got some like autumn leaves on and a little pumpkin but because it's turned so i can see the pumpkin from outside it just looks <laughs> like I've got a pentacle it's just perfect in my bedroom window all the neighbors already <laughs> think that you're up to something so just prove them right <laughs> yeah the local vicar lives on our street it's perfect yeah, it's great. Yeah, just uh, I I think I think you're onto something there. Um, now locals supposedly didn't know that uh, there was poison in Anna's various potions and treatments, um, and instead they believed that Anna had some sort of magical powers, uh, which is what ultimately killed their partners. You decide if that's true or not. Who knows? I think that's very, uh, well, in a way you can be like, oh, well, I didn't know it had poison, but you wanted it to kill your husband. Yeah, you so... wanted something bad to happen. So either way, magic or poison. So you, you somehow solicited the, 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 the weapon, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. The weapon by which I died. Yeah. You just pretend that you didn't know exactly what it was. Yeah. You knew. I think they knew. Um. So Anna went about her work sort of undetected by authorities for decades. She was arrested and tried in June 1914 for providing poison to be used for murder, but was ultimately acquitted and went back to her life as just, you know, a harmless old lady mixing love potions and herbal remedies. Her popularity continued to grow in the local area and... Pretty much the whole country. And by 1920, she even had her own sales assistant, <laughs> Yubina Milankov. So, from what we understand, Yubina would essentially eavesdrop on local women telling their friends about their marital problems and then kind of direct them to Anna's house. <laughs> uh, she's like, oh, I know, you know, go to. Well, we're calling her Anna because it's the easiest way to say a name yeah. to be like oh baba anuka can 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 fix your problems so baba anuka means uh grandma annie 
in Serbian. So they're like, oh yeah, you know, Grandma Annie can, you know, help you. She'll give you a nice little potion, fix all your problems, take them to to Anna's house. She would sell them the love potion. Eight days after ingestion, the troublesome husbands would die. So handy. Uh, people travelled from all over Yugoslavia to buy her magic water. And she would also work on like a sliding scale and would charge clients according to their income. So if people would travel like quite a distance to see her, she'd be like, oh no, I'm sorry, I can't see you today. She's like, but we do have like boarding rooms that you could stay. <laughs> so if they chose, like if they could afford to stay overnight, she knew she could like charge them like a great whacking fee <laughs> for this love potion or magic water. Whereas if they were like kind of local and like, oh, okay, when can we come back and see you? She would charge them less because sales are sale, but she knew how to yeah. stretch it. Um, yeah. And her magic water love potion retailed at anything from 2,000 to 10,000 Yugoslavian dinars. No. As we know, I love converting <laughs> currency. <laughs> do it every episode <laughs> um usually it's pretty easy you find because usually it's in dollars or pounds mm -hmm. or you know another currency that is still in use yes bit difficult with uh, currencies that aren't used anymore so i tried to find the conversion but the dinar was used up until the fall of yugoslavia in 1992 so to find the conversion of it back in 1920 not as easy as it sounds. No. So a few sources say that the average would be around three to four thousand dollars. The only conversion I could find was that ten thousand dinars is worth a hundred and two pound. Yeah. And if that was a hundred and two pound in nineteen twenty, which is what I was trying to Google, mm -hmm. that would be about four and a half thousand pounds today. And that is roughly the same as the other estimates I've heard. Yeah, that's what I've heard too. So it's very expensive. Yes quite but pricey yeah so even if she was charging like only two thousand dinars that was a lot of money oh yeah for sure but um, can you really put a price on murder not i think so <laughs> it's like those mastercard commercials priceless the cost of 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 a trip to see baba anoika you know 10,000 dinars. 10, dinars. The cost of her magic water, 3,000 dinars. Getting rid of your troublesome husband, priceless. Oh, like marital bliss. Yeah. <laughs> priceless. Now, if you want to be really generous, you could, you could pretty much claim that Anna wasn't actually murdering anyone. She was, I mean, sure, she was supplying poison, but she wasn't putting it into people's food and drinks. Um, one way to look at it, right? But in an article from a Serbian newspaper, which we will link below, um, uh, the article claims that one night she saw two men returning from a local dance. Uh, it was a hot night, so she went out and offered them each a glass of lemonade. And a week later, both men had died. Uh, 
Like most of her clients' husbands, the two men were relatively young, fit, and healthy, and not really expected to just drop dead one day. Now, if this story is true, which hard to tell, right? But it kind of blows apart the idea of plausible deniability, no matter how generous you're feeling. Yeah, and there's it's sort of various reports that because she was very misanthropic, which you know I'm all for. Yes, humanity is garbage. <laughs> Um, and you know, kind of resentful of like the youth because her own youth had been ruined by a syphilitic military officer. Mm, yeah. Um, and so some sources say that she kind of hated young people having fun. <laughs> so you've now moved from, you know, a peddler of poisons to just being a spiteful old witch. Uh, Anna's downfall came in the mid-1920s, when one of her repeat clients dropped her in it. In 1924, she sold her magic water to a woman named Stana Momirov, who gave the poison to her husband, Lazar Ludowski, and a few days later, he died. Stana got remarried to another local man, and we're not sure exactly when or how much time had passed, but Short, not too long after this second wedding, uh, her second husband's rich uncle mysteriously died in the exact same circumstances as her first husband had. Hmm. Uh, Stana was interrogated by the police and she quickly incriminated Anna. In 1926, Anna sold her potion to Sima Momorov, who is no relation to Stana uh, Momorov. Uh, and his wife, Sophia. Uh, they intended to kill Sima's 70-year-old father, uh, Nikola Momorov, as, uh, you know, because he was an alcoholic who was abusive to everyone in the family. Sophia had heard about Anna from a friend of hers, uh, Danica Stoyich. Uh, now, it's unclear if Danica knew of uh anna's magic water whether she was like a client or had just sort of heard about it through the you know the local gossip grapevine um so after anna sold sima and sophia the potion in december 1926 they then gave it to a 16 year old olga sturza who was one of uh, nicola's grandchildren so they told Olga to make sure that her grandfather drank it all. And 15 days after Nicola drank the magic water, he died. It was still another 17 months before Anna was arrested. But finally, in May 1928, at the ripe old age of 90, <laughs> she was arrested for the murders of Nikola Momirov and Lazar Ladowski, along with Stana, Sophia, and Sima Momirov, Danica Stoyich, and Olga Sturza, as well as her assistant, Yubina Milankov. So, all of them arrested. It's all rounded up. So, the bodies of uh, Lazar Ladowski and Nikola Momirov were exhumed and examined at the University of Belgrade, which is now the capital city of Serbia. A doctor testified at trial that there were traces of arsenic in both of the victims' bodies. 
Samples were also taken from the potions and remedies found in Anna's house to be tested, and of course, there was arsenic in amongst those potions. So, prosecutors sought the death penalty for all of the defendants except for Olga Sturza, as she was a minor at the time. Uh, Sophia and Sima Momorov defended themselves at trial. Uh, they claimed that they didn't know that the magic water contained arsenic and that they believed that Nikola's death was caused by Anna's su supernatural powers. Stana Momorov claimed that her husband Lazar had been an alcoholic and that she had only wanted the magic water to cure him of his alcoholism and that she was not aware that it would kill him. Uh, Olga Sturza also defended herself at trial, explaining that she was still a child at the time of the murder and that she was not aware that the water would kill her grandfather. It was just given to her by Sophia and told, and, uh, it was just given to her by Sophia who told her to give it to her grandfather. Uh, Sophia testified that Sturza was well aware of the whole plot. Anna denied the charges, claiming that she never sold any kind of magic water. <laughs> despite people traveling from all over Yugoslavia to get it. It's fine. What are you talking about? She blamed the deaths on Yubina Milankov, claiming that she had been the one to mix and sell the poisoned water, and that it was Yubina who was just trying to shift the blame and <laughs> save her own skin. Of course. On July 6, 1929... Stana and Sofia Momirov were sentenced to life in prison as the main perpetrators in the murders. Seema Momirov was sentenced to 15 years for his part, and Yubina Milankov to 8 years. Danica Stoyic and Augusturza were both acquitted. Anna was sentenced to 15 years in prison as an accomplice to both murders. Do you know what I find interesting about that? Hmm. So it's Stana and Sophia who were sentenced to life, even mm -hmm. though it was uh, Sophia's husband, Seema, who bought the poison. Oh, yeah. Because it's always said he, it was sold to him and his wife. Yeah. Like she's secondary in it. Yeah. So, but he was given a lesser sentence, and I find that interesting. Yeah. Both the defendants and the prosecutor appealed the sentences at the appellate court in Novosad, which is Serbia's second city. Uh, this was in November 1929, uh, and part of the prosecutor's appeal was that they wanted uh, capital punishment. Stana and Sofia uh, Momorov were both given the same sentence of life in prison. Uh, Sima Momorov was resentenced to life in prison. Uh, Yubina Milankov's sentence was increased to 10 years. Uh, Danica Stoyic and Olga Sturza were once again both acquitted. And Anna was resentenced to 15 years in prison with the addition of hard labor. And uh, if you weren't keeping track, at this point, she was about 90 or 91 years old. Yeah. What hard labor is she going to do uh, at the age of 90? Like, heavy-duty knitting. Prison yeah, knitting. Yeah, <laughs> Like, she's knitting the outfits for the chain gang. Yeah, she's knitting the chain. Well, you see, the old 
styles of uh, knitting, well, not knitting so much, but weaving, mm-hmm. the way they used to weave ropes and stuff, they are very strong. They are, see? Mm. Probably cheaper than metal welding at that time. Yeah. We don't know what happened to the rest of the defendants. We can only assume they served their sentences. Anna was released in 1936 on compassionate grounds due to her age, so she'd have been about 98, and she died in 1938 in her home in Vladimirovich at the age of 100. As well as the two murders she was convicted of assisting in, estimates range from 50 to 150 victims, mostly men, who died after drinking Anna's magic water love potion. But, of course, we don't, we'll never know the full extent because people travelled from all over the place to, um, to buy her magic potion. She seems, was well known throughout Yugoslavia. And it's just that these two cases happened in her hometown. Yeah. And that's how she got caught. And that is the case of Baba Anoika. The Witch of Vladimirovich. <sighs> Thoughts? I love it. Like, <laughs> it's just every bit about it. Like, she, she's this really smart young woman who fell in love and got totally fucked over uh, and got syphilis from this jerk who then left her. And then she's like, wow, the world sucks. I'm done. Like, she got married, she she had, like, she lost ten children, like, serious yeah. hardship, right? Imagine giving birth eleven times and only one of them survived, you'd be like, I ruined my body for this. I am pissed off about this, y'all. And then, like, so, then she sets up shop for herself, she's making a living, and she's helping people, and she's, you know... She's helping rid the world of these sort of unsavory characters and these these abusive uh, husbands, and and manages to do this for decades. That's the thing I don't get is yeah. So people traveled from all over, so she had a reputation throughout Yugoslavia. So yeah. why did no one in authority, like in any position of authority, cotton on? Like no one had an uncle who had a friend who was a cop who was like, "Hey, have you heard about Baba Anoika? She's killing people over in Vladimirovich." Like, uh, uh, that's wild. And the fact that she was tried and acquitted before she was eventually yeah. tried again. Yeah, and it's it was so it was nine nineteen twenty four when. Stana Momirov killed her husband and and a year or so later when she killed her rich hus uh uncle. her second husband's rich uncle. Yeah. It's nineteen twenty six when um Seema and Sophia Momirov uh kill his father. Mm-hmm. And then it's seventeen months before she's arrested. Yeah. It's like Five a period of five years between the that first killing, uh, by Stana Momirov and them all finally going to trial. Yeah. Like it's just it's amazing, and the 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 fact that she even lived that long to begin with. Yeah, and eight years hard labor. Yeah, right. 
I still don't know what kind of hard labor she was doing. No, but like but. impressive. And I can't imagine that the uh, Yugoslavian prisons were particularly cushy at the time. I don't think any prison was cushy at that time. No. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. It's just, uh, I just love that it's true. You know, like it's something, yeah. that it's like a, it's like a folktale. Yeah. One thing that's always, that sort of sticks out to me when I, so I first heard about this case a few months ago, listening to I'll Kill and Ophila. Yeah, me too. So we talked about this before we started recording. The reason we say what podcasts we listen to and hear about cases, we don't want, we're not trying to plagiarize anyone else's work. No. So if we hear something on another podcast and we can't find like a primary source, we will reference the other podcast. Yes. Rather, we'd like, we don't, we're not trying to plagiarize anything. So, yeah. So I first heard about this uh, a few months ago and I read a bit about it and we actually had this scheduled for next year, mm-hmm. but we rejigged our program for a couple of reasons. So, in everything else I've read and heard about it, it's he- like I say, it's heavily implied that these men were were violent and were domestic abusers. Mm-hmm. It's never outrightly stated that they were battering their wives, and that's why their wives poisoned them. Mm-hmm. If they were domestic abusers, I'm all for wiping that scum off the earth. Yeah, I think this is a brilliant story. This is women's lives even now still aren't valued. This is a, of this is nearly a hundred years later. Yeah, it was women who's who were in horrendous situa- living situations. There would have been no women's aid, no refuge. I mean, those things. It's horrendous that we still need them. It's horrendous that they're charities and not government funded. Mm-hmm. It's horrendous the lack of support that is given. Hundred years ago, they didn't even have that. So, if all you had to get you and your children safe was a little old lady who could poison your husband and leave as little trace as possible, fuck yeah, I'm all for that. Yeah, absolutely. However, if it was the flip side, and it was just inconvenience was the reason, mm-hmm. it wasn't domestic abuse. That's where I start to have issues, and it's a slippery slope. Yeah. This is where vigilantism becomes a bit slippery. So where do you start drawing that line? And if it was the other way around, if it was men knocking off their wives, if it was femicide, we'd be fucking outraged. We would. Yeah. We wouldn't, she wouldn't have this like cute little nickname of Babaranuka. You know, know, Grandma Rana, she'll fix all your problems. Yeah, there's a bit of a sort of like the the matchmaker or the you know the village elder woman helping the young you know village ladies like part to that. Yeah. But I don't like I don't know. I still think that if if in in her time especially in the earlier like in the 1800s I still think that if she was helping men kill women, like, I don't know. I think it might still be kind of the same thing. Maybe not with the nickname, but like, were, were, were Yugoslavian women's lives really valued that much? I doubt it. 
Like, no. it could just be a thing of like, oh, well, yeah, Yugoslavian Jim, his wife was just really dragging him down, so he got rid of her. Oh, well, like, I don't know. But it would it would be a different, certainly have a different tone, I think. Yes. Yeah, and we'd also have the conversation of women not supporting women. Yes, yeah. Yeah, because I think that is like, <laughs> that is part of it. There's this sort of like. But you say it's like the village elder, like the matchmaker. She's like helping all the young women. Yeah, it's like a women's society or community that's come up. It's sort of like pre, 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 pre first wave feminism kind of thing, like women solving women's problems. And and like. It's tough because. That's something that's very seductive to see in historical contexts, right? Because you want to you want to see like, yeah, like these these women, these people who were seen as lesser members of society and treated that way, were finding a way to make society work for them. Like, you always want to see that. You want to see that with women's, you know, suffrage and all these various things. But you don't want it to be murder. And that's where it gets a little bit messy. Yeah. So. Yes. So. Uh, that is Baba Anoika. Come uh, talk to us on social media about what you think about the case. Um, yeah. Like what. What do you think of it? I, I really want to know how people feel about this because. I think also because so. So far in the past, it's, we're kind of removed from it. Like. Yeah, I think that's another big part of it. Yeah. It's easy to, to look back and be like, oh, well, like I say, there weren't places for women. There weren't, yeah. there wasn't help or anything there for women in abusive relationships. So there's this little old lady helping them all. Great, cute old maid, lady serial killer. Love it. Right? Like that, it's, it's, it's so, mm, I feel like a terrible person for saying that, but I do love this yeah. story. So. Yeah, she was, when she was arrested, she was the oldest active serial killer ever. See, there you go. She's, there's never been an active serial killer who was arrested at 90. I wouldn't imagine most of them would be. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so come talk to us about it on social media or everywhere. You know, you, you know this already. We're on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash squaremile. Pod. pod yeah um and uh at, on instagram at square mile of murder we're on twitter at square mile pod don't go to twitter y'all we don't hang out there um uh if you would be so kind like we were talking about at the top of the show to give us a rating and review it really helps us out and uh if you do that as you've seen we're very likely we to read it. <laughs> so Yeah, we read out nice reviews. Yeah. Um they make us happy. So do that. If if you could please, it really does help. Um and, and we love it just in general. So it, it'd be awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh if you want to go one step further and have a bit of spare cash or you want you know, something on your Christmas list, you like just just tell your your partner, your your parents, your children, whoever, like 
I want Patreon for this really cool podcast. Yeah. Head over to patreon.com forward slash square mile of murder. Pledges start from just one pound or one dollar per month. You get all episodes a day early. Uh, two dollars or two pounds and up, you get some exclusive merch, which we send out. Yes. Uh, five dollars and above, you get extra bonus content every month. Yes. At least one bonus episode. Yes. And also, it's, we should say, so any of the merch that comes through Patreon, is it's all different than the oh, yeah. our new merch I shop. I say that. I forgot to say that because yeah. we don't usually have a merch shop. Yeah, it's exclusive merch. You can't buy it. Yeah. So it's, it's, Patreon, on, it's Patreon only. It's different stuff. And it's a fun, yes. fun surprise there. Yes. And all money from Patreon and from the merch. Yes. Uh, it does go back into the podcast. Uh, last month helped pay or paid for our website to be renewed. Yep. It, it just it helps yeah. us be able to devote more time to the podcast, to making it better, to you know, making it better for you all. Like we want it to sound good, we want yeah. it to look good, we want it to all this stuff. Um, and sh- shop local, shop. Your local internet friends. Yes. Um, yes. And like we said, merch is on sale now. Use the code LAUNCH. That's L-A-U-N-C-H. Yep. All caps for 20% off up until Christmas Day. Um, the link will be in the episode description. Yep. And tag us in your merch photos. We're very excited. We're very excited for our own merch to get delivered soon. Yes, so yeah. There'll be lots of mer- lots of merch photos floating about soon, hopefully. Yes, definitely. Very excited. We'll tell you we'll uh, tell you all about like some sort of sizes and like so you can see what things look like and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Basically, you're gonna use your wife as a model, aren't you? Yep. Well she volunteered. I mean, you could even use the dog. Oh, I thought you about that. You could use the dog because he's massive. I thought about that. That might happen. <laughs> But to be fair, she was like, if you get me one of the raccoon sweatshirts for my birthday, I will model it for you. It's like, done. See. <laughs> Deal. What mod do you want in your marriage? Exactly. <sighs> Thank you very much for listening. Yes. And we will be back next week. Yeah. Hopefully. Unless the world ends. I mean, who knows? It's 2020. <sighs> Something's coming down the pipe in the last month. It's got to be right. <laughs> Oh, bird flu has been discovered in Yorkshire. Just stay inside. (laughs) Hopefully we'll be back next week. Yeah. If not. Who knows? Happy apocalypse. Yeah. Good luck, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.